And with that, welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. We went a few weeks there riding solo. I am certain Jason Derulo really appreciated that. But nonetheless, this time we have a guest waiting in the wings. He came straight from the Columbus, Georgia news set at WRBL News and Sports Channel 3. Unclear if he said to his fellow watchers that he was going to be on this show, but nonetheless, he is Jack Patterson. Hoping, Hopefully, at some point, we'll get Marty Smith on the show, too, but he is Jack Patterson. Welcome back to the show, Jack. What is good, man? It's good to be back, man. Oh, for sure, for sure. We've had a couple of good Lions-Falcons podcast previews. I'm also looking forward to the Michigan-Georgia preview as well coming up next week. Just like the show I did, the shows I did with Alex Strofe out of uh, Wisconsin. He's working for ESPN Wisconsin now. It's the trilogy that nobody wanted, but everybody's getting. <laughs> See, I knew Jack would be excited excited for this not, nonetheless. So... Let's go. It's uh, yeah. It's been quite a year. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. The Falcons hired a new coach, as we know. As my buddy Ben Probst, who's been on the show, says, Arthur Smith. Oh, describe to me what it's like from the Falcons' standpoint this first year of Arthur Smith. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. It's been. I would say he's probably eclipsed expectations. Like there weren't, uh, there wasn't a lot of, you know, high expectations for this team. I mean, you know, your uh, salary cap dumpster fire. You got, you got rid of one of the franchise's most popular players in Julio Jones. You know, you can't go out and get anybody because you're in a salary cap dumpster fire. You know, a lot of people down here wanted the Falcons to go after Justin Fields, who. Uh, Obviously, is an Atlanta Metro native, went to Georgia, you know, so a lot of people wanted the Falcons to go after him. They instead go get Kyle Pitts. So there were, like I said, there, there's been all kinds of stuff. Plus, you talk about, you know, Arthur Smith getting hired, Terry Fontenot taking over as GM. You know, I'll be honest, there's been a lot of things that have to be fixed over what's been, you know, what took place in the last years of the Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov era, and they're trying to fix it, but it's one of those things that just takes time. For sure, and I'm looking up this meme real fast if I can find it. It's uh, NFL memes. The Falcons have not won a home game in 500 and some days. I forget exactly how much. The Braves have played an entire season and won a World Series before the Falcons have won a home game. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we at least we have the Braves. At least we have UGA. You know, and the Hawks went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year too. So you know, Atlanta United, they're starting to get back on track too. So we at least we have these things going for us. But yeah, the Falcons, like I said, it's one of those things where it's just gonna take time to undo all the things that just went wrong in the back end of that other um, Quinn and Dimitrov era. A lot of fans are drawing a blank regarding that situation. Yeah, yeah, on uh, what took so long. That's probably the, the question that everybody had, you know, but I, the, the problem with the Falcons were, was, is that when you were in, they restructured Matt Ryan's contract so many times, and then they restructured Julio's contract, and, you know, to keep everybody happy. 
and you know you thought that you had a you know a team that could compete could be an offense that could compete but you know what you see now is the offensive line is still a you know just like a strainer like it, it doesn't stop anything you know it, it's it's just really really bad and Matt Ryan you know I'll I'll say this I'll go on the record saying it, is that Matt Ryan is not the biggest problem the Falcons have right now I mean has he regressed yeah I mean he's getting older but he, he so he has regressed but he's still a serviceable quarterback in the National Football League but the problem is is that when he's running around for you know running for his life you know because the line can't stop anybody you know that's a big problem you got to remember this is an offensive line that has a couple of guys who were second years you know uh, and then you lose a guy like Alex Mack who was the centerpiece of that line there was so much that the Falcons need to do on that offensive line and it's evident every Sunday you know the fact that the Falcons are six and eight right now is astonishing to me. I thought this was a four year, a four win team, and this is a team that, you know, realistically could have, you know, seven, eight, nine wins already right now if they, you know, close out a couple of close games earlier this year. So, like I said, this team isn't far from something, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. The good news is at least they're not watching an onside kick get recovered by the by the offense. See, the, th- the thing is, is we're not, at least we're not finding new ways to lose. We're actually coming back. We've done it a couple times this year where we may have given up the lead, but we actually came back and won the game. You know, the, the one game that comes to mind for me quickly is the uh, Miami game where, yeah, we blew a lead, but we came back and won. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Also, a special thanks to Kyle Pitts for depositing 270 bucks into my wallet because I played DraftKings during the London game that they played against the Jets. And Kyle Pitts said the day had the had the game of his life. And thankfully, <laughs> there were no stupid touchdowns or stupid field goals at the end that would cost me a lot of money. So, special thanks to Kyle Pitts for that, for sure. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Pitts says, you know, I'll say this is that I was on the side that did not have a problem with the Kyle Pitts pick. I mean, no offense to Justin Fields. I think he's a great quarterback, going to be a great quarterback. But I don't have a problem with the Kyle Pitts move either. For sure. So moving to this preview, Detroit and Atlanta. Of course, Detroit coming off a very surprising win against the Cardinals, which yours truly witnessed. And I have actually, I have actually written a column on my last day for this year at the Huron Daily Tribune. In fact, my my first day next year is going to be January 3rd, so I've got this entire block of time off because of my vacation, which is awesome. But nonetheless, I was at Lions Cardinals against the 6-8 and Falcons, like Jack had said. A surprising, and I would say both of our opinions, six-win team. The matchup predictor says 63.3 to 36.4%. The Falcons have the advantage with a three-tenths of one percent chance at a tie, which the Lions already have, so anything is possible. Uh, looking at your season leaders, and as far as yardage goes, Jared Goff has three thousand seven yards to Matt Ryan's thirty-three hundred forty. Uh, DeAndre Swift five hundred fifty-five yards, four touchdowns, out most, or I believe out most likely again. Uh, Cordero Patterson, 565 yards and five touchdowns as a running back, number 84, 
thank God that the uh, numbers said the uh, numbers rule was not in effect. Otherwise, he and Ty Montgomery would have to switch numbers for, uh, for have to downgrade for sure. And then receiving yards, Amon Ross St. Brown has taken the lead for the Lions with 601 yards and two touchdowns. Kyle Pitts with 847 yards and one touchdown. So first question for you, Jack, is who? Where do the advantages lean on both on those uh, leading stats there? Uh, you talked for the Falcons. You talked about one of those guys, and it's Cordero Patterson. The man has been the revelation of the Falcons this season. You know, I, I never would have in my in all you know in a million years thought that he would have been a running back, but he has been fantastic as a running back for the Falcons. And the one the one two punch to him and Mike Davis has worked a lot this season. So that's some something you have to keep an eye on. You know, now as for the Lions. Jared Goff is seemingly starting to catch fire. Like, I don't know what the heck was going on last week in Detroit when they just beat up on Arizona. But if they mess around and come out and do this, do that to the Falcons, like, this will be a no contest. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the underlying things that have happened in the past few weeks is that the Lions got Josh Reynolds. Let's, let's, uh, let's equivocate this to college or high school. Uh, at least in my area, let's say somebody from Bad Axe transfers to USA, Unionville Seaboy, um, or gets tra- or in this case gets traded. They're going to be around a lot of people that they really don't know and don't have have not built a lot of team chemistry with. Well, yep. what if one of the wide receivers from the other team transfers as well? Now you have a little bit of chemistry going, and it feels a lot better. So that's one of the underlying things I would say that uh, golf has that has golf playing better. Yeah, I can one hundred percent understand that. And though that whole connection, they, you know, every I know I can imagine that everybody in Detroit has been kind of waiting for that to click. And yeah, I mean, no better time than against the presumptive number one seed in the NFC for it to all click. But man. I think if they can keep that going, the Falcons' defense, for the most part, is a nightmare. And they can run roughshod on them. They probably want Dan Quinn back as their defensive coordinator, you would think. <laughs> oh, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if that's the right answer, Tom. Okay. But Dean Pease has done some good work on the defense. Like, there's been a couple games where the, you can see flashes of what this defense can be. But once again, this goes back to the Falcons are in such bad shape with the salary cap. They can't really do anything. They can't go out and get people. Yeah, they can't. Their salary cap strapped. And that's one thing about this game, rather than Major League Baseball, is that, hey, there is a salary cap. And we'll talk a little bit. I'd say we'll talk about a little bit about this lockout coming up shortly. But... Nonetheless, back to um, Lions and Falcons. The Falcons are right now, as of Festivus evening at 6.48 p.m. Eastern. By the way, happy Festivus for the rest of us to all those celebrating. (laughs) I almost made him spit out his drink for mentioning Festivus. (laughs) But that's, that's the fun you get with the Tom Green, Jack Patterson show for sure. As of right now, the Falcons are a five and a half point favorite. The money line is minus 240 to the Falcons versus plus 200 to the Lions. The over-under is at 43. So with that all in mind, 
what are your keys to a Falcons victory? For the Falcons, they have to start quick and start fast and be consistent. We've seen them get out to fast starts, but they don't finish it. They've got to finish it. The defense, they have to show up. They've got to stop Jared Goff. Not much of a running game, so if they can stop Goff, I think they'll be in good shape. My keys to a Falcons win is the last time the Lions won a game. After their first victory, they pretty much laid an egg against Denver, and understandably so, one, because of the COVID outs, and as well as Demarius Thomas's sudden passing. It was just one of those emotional games. But nonetheless, the Lions laid an egg. So Falcons are going to have to, one, hope that the Lions lay an egg. Two, like you had said, start fast, and as I have said before, turnovers. Win that turnover game, and you are on the fast track to a victory. Arby's has good turnovers, but you don't want those turnovers to happen on the field. I'm not sure if there's a place down around Georgia that has some good turnovers, but nonetheless, you win the turnover game, you're going you're gonna to win the battle. And stopping Goff, too, is another is another good one, because Goff has been hot the last couple of weeks compared to the first 12, for sure. And if, you know, if you... You stop Goff, you have a good chance at stopping this this Lions team. So what are the keys to the Lions coming out and beating the Falcons this Sunday? I think it starts all in the backfield for the Lions. If they can stop Cordero Patterson and Mike Davis, you force the Falcons to be one-dimensional. They don't have Calvin Ridley, you know, and you can dial up on Kyle Pitts and Russell Gage, force guys like Alameda Zacchaeus, Tajay Sharp, to beat you. If, you do, if you can do that, I think you'll be in good shape. So keys to the Lions winning, I would say, is whatever defense showed up last week, move it to Atlanta, because if you have that type of defense showing up this week, you're going to, you might even win 10 games with four games left. That's how good of a defense they had, allowing 12 points to a team that averages, I believe, in the 30s per game in the Arizona Cardinals. Now, could that also have been the Arizona Cardinals saying, oh, it's the Lions. We'll win this game Sunday. We don't have to worry about it. Eh, wrong. Detroit not only won this game, they dominated this game. And like I'd said in my column that's going to be coming out either tomorrow or Tuesday, which I'll tweet out, it's, it's those games that make it fun to be a Detroit Lions fan for sure. So... Um, show defense has got to show up in Atlanta, uh, force Matt Ryan to turn the ball over and force Atlanta fans to be questioning yet again, whether he's the right, whether he's the right answer in Atlanta. If that, if that happens, then you're on the right track. And then three, 30 points in this league, 30 points theoretically should be good enough to win in almost any game with the exception of the Cardinals, despite Detroit doing just that. I think if you score 30, you are going to win a lot of ball games. So score 30, defense show up, force Matt Ryan into turnovers. And those aren't bad keys, especially for a Lions offense that seems to start to find itself and click on all cylinders. If they can get, get that going, especially against a Falcons defense that can be suspect at times, I think that'll go a long way to, for you guys to go get the dub in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But like I said, the Falcons – you know, they they haven't won a game in front of their home fans in God knows how long. So they'll be 
I think this might be the last home game of the year. So if that's the case, they'll definitely be up trying to win a home game in Atlanta. Never forget that Mercedes-Benz Stadium was designed for Falcons football, and they have Chick-fil-A's in there. Of course, football is mainly played on Sundays. Guess what's closed on Sundays? Chick-fil-A. <laughs> the Chick-fil-A's are closed in there, but the good news is, is that Atlanta United does play in the same stadium, and their games are on different days, so you can still go to a game and still grab you some Chick-fil-A, just not on a Sunday. Because it's the Lord's Day, for sure. God bless. So, uh, at about 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon, which one of us is going to be feeling better? Man, this is hard. This is very hard because part of me really wants to go with Detroit here. And it's not so much because I think Detroit is the better team as it is I think Detroit is the team that is gelling more on a, as of right now because if you go back and look last week, the Falcons just looked all kinds of out of sorts in San Francisco. Now, granted, the Falcons usually never played good on the West Coast. But, man, if I, I really liked how, what I saw from Detroit last week. So I think I'm going to go with the Lions, honestly. So he's, he's a believer. He's going to pick the Detroit Lions. And my condolences to the member of the Monkees that just passed away because I'd said I'm a believer for sure. But nonetheless, he's picking the Lions. You know what? I'm going to go with the Lions as well because this team, I and Jack, is probably, Jack probably remembers seeing this tweet, Detroit Lions, Nebraska football, blowing big leads. <laughs> <laughs> and let's hope that doesn't happen this time around. But it's 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 I I see a pattern where both teams are just so close, and the Lions are finally starting to get those results. Now in Lincoln, they're hoping that Scott Frost will get those results. But nonetheless, it's it's a pattern, and hopefully we've well, seen the end of this pattern. I think Detroit wins thirty one. Yeah. You also have to remember that the Falcons are the king of blowing leads. That is that is true. Um, Twenty eight times, and the other the other three. Uh, wait, I just mentioned the score. I probably shouldn't have, but nonetheless. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I'll, put it, I'll put it to you this way: We um, back in high school football season, we had a um, a big region matchup down here between Troop County and Hardaway. Right, Hardaway yeah. got out to a twenty eight to three lead, and people started freaking out. And sure enough, Troop County came back to win in overtime, and like it, it just. You, it is a cursed number. You don't ever want to be up 28-3 in any sport. What's funny is I remember years ago, and you might remember this commercial as well, there was an NFL, I believe it was NFL Sunday ticket on DirecTV commercial where when Peyton Manning was playing with the Colts, um, the, I think the fan or something like that wanted to change the channel, and Peyton Manning's like, dude, it's 28-3. Um, I'm not sure if you remember that commercial from way long time ago. I think it was like 2010 or maybe even before that, but I have, but I just remember that. And if I, if I pull it up at some point, I'll have to tweet it, but it's, that's the first thing I remember from 28 to three. And now it's synonymous with the Falcons and blowing weeds. Just synonymous. It is synonymous with Atlanta sports fans. pain. Okay. We've yeah. been through a lot, okay? That's why you saw everybody down here going crazy when the Braves won the World Series. We've been through a lot. 
And the and that World Series is well deserved. So definitely congrats to the Braves. Lions win 31-24. I don't necessarily think the Falcons will even get to 28 at this time, but again we shall see. So um a couple of things before we get to the uh pick'em segment. Uh first let's talk about this lockout a little bit. Um it hasn't really been discussed at all in the media, really, with the exception of MLB Network. Um, I know the Braves are celebrating a World Series title, but what's the thought of uh, perhaps getting back to baseball on time? Is Do you think that perhaps might happen? Well, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. The biggest worry down here isn't about whether the season's going to start on time. That, like, I mean, people are worried about that, but that's not the biggest worry. The biggest worry is why haven't they re-signed Freddie Freeman yet? Like that, it baffles, it boggles the mind why they have not resigned Freddie Freeman yet. I, uh, we have people that are people just he, like he is beloved down here. So I don't know why they haven't resigned the man, but here we are, and in the middle of a lockout, your franchise player is currently a free agent. So that is the million dollar question right now for many Braves fans. And uh, part of the million dollar answer and this won't cost me four hundred and sixty eight thousand dollars like what on who wants to be a millionaire but part of that answer is because teams cannot i believe teams cannot talk to players while they are in a work stoppage so no so while the braves aren't talking to freddie freeman nobody is because they're not allowed to <laughs> exactly and but people are still nervous they're like sure. you know are they going to resign them or are they going to because once again, this is a town that has been traumatized by stuff like this, mm-hmm. you know, and we've seen franchise players. We just saw it with Julio Jones getting traded away. We've seen franchise players like Dominique Wilkins getting traded from the Hawks to the Clippers. You know, we've seen it so many times. So, uh, like I said, this is a fan base who, you know, the worst case scenario often comes to the forefront before you know, common sense and rational thinking. So, you know, this is just a fan base who, you know, they believe in Alex Anthopoulos, who's the general manager. You know, they believe in him. They have no reason not to. But at the same time, you know, one way to, you know, take the air out of that World Series is if they lost Freddie Freeman. That would be a huge blow. It it would be because he was the, he was one of the keys to that World Series. And then one trade that, honestly baffled me when it happened because I thought geez they're trading from a seller to another seller was Jock Peterson when it happened that was my exact thought was the Cubs are trading from a seller to another seller what is this and somehow Jock Peterson has more than proved me wrong about that trade and I'm what were Braves fans thinking when that happened uh, well, you got to remember that when that happened, we were coming off the heels of Ronald Acuna Jr. tearing his ACL in Miami. So a lot of people were like, well, wait a minute. So he's going to be the replacement for Acuna in the outfield. You know, everybody's like, well, you know, that's not a bad replacement. But it's the trades that came after that were like, wait a minute. So they still think we can go. So that was kind of like the start of what ended up being a World Series run. 
Yeah, and then and Alex Anthopoulos in that group proved me wrong because my, my legit thought, like I said, was they're just trading from a seller to a seller. The Braves really should be considering selling this this July 31st. With or without Acuna, there's no way they win. Well, they proved me wrong, and they should lift that commissioner's trophy high and dry. And then if, if, if and when I come to Atlanta and Alex Anthopoulos sees me, he is welcome to put a big thing of beer in it and just just douse it right in my face just saying we proved you wrong tom <laughs> go ahead and do it because they the braves proved me wrong <laughs> i mean they proved a lot of people wrong i mean honestly they outdid the expectations of even the most positive braves fan you know it's just a lot of people didn't see that coming especially you know we had been middling around the 500 mark for the for the most part of that year we didn't crack the 500 mark until August. So, and then we everything started coming together and you just start gelling it. Man, like, you know, Anthopolis should get like the GM, general manager of the decade award for that, for that, for those moves in the offseason. Yeah, because they, as we saw, they got to a bad start and nobody except Anthopolis and that group thought they would recover and indeed they did. So, Braves World Series champions. Hopefully, we'll see a start of the next season on time. But beware if if it doesn't start, get those golf clubs out because it might be time to be playing some golf. But anyway, last thing before we get to the pickums here is um, next week we're going to have the Michigan, Georgia, and college football playoff preview. We'll be having Jack back on the show. We're hoping to get uh, Maria Martin as well from Eleven Alive. So Maria, if you're listening. Reach out to one of us. Let's get going on that. But give us kind of a light, kind of a sprinkle on this uh, Michigan-Georgia preview. Um, what's one of the first things that pops out in your head when uh, this matchup came out? Uh, the big thing is about Georgia having to bounce back from the dud that was the SEC championship game. You know, so, you know, so many people had extra. You know, going in, it seemed like Georgia was invincible. You know, they had the defense had been. You know, lights out. The offense had been getting the job done when it needed to. And, you know, to see what Alabama did to the defense and, you know, and, you know, stopping the offense enough to where they didn't, it was really a non-factor. So it's an opportunity. Georgia still got in. So it's an opportunity for the dogs to, you know, bounce back and, you know, everything they want is still in front of them. So... They have an opportunity, but they got to take down a tough Michigan team. Of course, the first thing that's coming out of my head is, well, one, pure excitement because we finally got to the college football playoff, and being at Michigan-Ohio State was probably the best 250 bucks I ever spent in my life <laughs> getting on that field, doing the Heisman Trophy pose at the same end zone that Desmond Howard did it, so... You can add me to the Heisman Trophy list, I guess, with uh, Desmond Howard there for Michigan. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm pumping myself up a little bit too much, but nonetheless, being there was great. That offensive line, and we'll talk about it more, more next week, of course, but if that offensive line has a performance like they had the last two games, Georgia's going to be in trouble. I really feel they're going to be in trouble. It, it, for for Georgia, like I said, the defense, you know, they had, you know, overmatched pretty much any and everybody they played, you know. So, 
you know, just from everything that we've heard from the team since then, you know, it's basically seemed like, you know, you don't want a game like that to happen, but if it had to happen, they're glad it happened when it did because it gives the team an opportunity now. They've had two, you know, by the time they play, they'll have, they've had three, almost four weeks to recuperate, see what they did wrong and prepare for Michigan. And I feel like for a team that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people down here said this is a team of destiny. For a team that, you know, has so much to play for and so much to live up to, I think that is dangerous to give them that much time to, you know, refocus and re-motivate themselves. Now, they got to bounce through COVID because they got a couple people in COVID protocols. But Mm -hmm. I think if they get through that, come into Miami healthy, they'll give Michigan all they want in themselves. So definitely we'll continue this conversation next week, of course, hoping to have Maria from 11 Alive on as well. So nonetheless, let's get to those pickums because that's the most heralded segment on the Tom Green podcast. We have yet to have an undefeated yet this season. The last two times you've been on, we've had an undefeated, so you're pretty much competing against any undefeateds. I think two losses right now leads. I'm going to have to double check. So it's a prime opportunity for you to win this pick'em segment. So first game we've got is on Christmas Day after Jack opens his uh, Christmas presents and finds some, uh, I don't know, some Falcons tickets and some maybe Georgia-Michigan tickets, hopefully. Not sure what your parents might get you, but first game on the docket, Cleveland-Green Bay. Uh, This one's pretty easy. It's all Packers in this one. The Browns have so much going on. You know, I think they have like 25-plus players in COVID protocols right now. And the Packers seem to have started clicking on all cylinders at the right time. So give me the Packers easily in this one. The Packers have already clinched the NFC North. They currently hold the NFC's one seed. I want Green Bay to lose every single game possible because I'm a Lions fan. But I'll be realistic. I just don't see that happening, especially on Christmas Day. The frozen tundra of Lambeau. I don't see a way Cleveland wins this game. Green Bay 27, Cleveland 17. The nightcap on Christmas, the Colts and Arizona. Now, this one is going to be a very fun game. Arizona trying to bounce back from that debacle in Detroit. At the same time, you got Indy who's fighting for their playoff lives right now. Give me the Colts because I love Jonathan Taylor and how he's been running. Man, I hate that we didn't get a Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry race for the rushing title this year. But I, the Colts are starting to hit on all cylinders, and the Cardinals, they got some work to do. The Cardinals look a little bit lost, especially after after that debauchery in Detroit. I have bounced back and forth on this one. But honestly, I think because they have lost two straight they're going to be the hungrier team, despite Indy really needing this for the playoffs. Give me the Cardinals 27-24. We're going to go contrarian there, but that could go either way. I have been I've been really thinking about this as far as where my betting line goes. So give me the Cardinals for now. Sunday, Baltimore and Cincinnati, AFC North, big one for the division. Absolutely. This might be your division title game right here. Uh Man, a lot of this depends on do the Ravens get Lamar Jackson back? 
you know, Tyler Huntley's been playing great, but man, this game looks a lot different if they have Lamar Jackson in the backfield. Don't know if they will or not, but one thing I am certain of, at least right now, is Joe Burrow is going to be on the other sideline for the Bengals and what him and, you know, the, the, those receivers over there, what they've been doing. Joe Mixon having a really good year silently in the backfield as well. I'm going to go with the Bengals in this one, and I think this one, you know, propels them to the AFC North title. This one, and you pretty much said it, depends on if Lamar comes back. As of right now, as of right now Lamar is not coming back. And Cincinnati looks to really want that playoff spot, too, because Joe Burrow, only in his second season, this team has really revamped since the no-offensive-line Bengals of the COVID year. Give me the Bengals by 2, 24, or no, 26-24. Odd score, but it's it's going to be one of those odd final scores, I feel, just for whatever reason. Uh, the Ravens' next opponent afterwards, the Rams. So this one's a real important one for the Ravens to win if in Cincinnati. Rams and Minnesota. Oh, man. I think this one is so huge for the Rams. It's huge for Minnesota, too, because they're in the playoff race, too. They're currently in a wild card spot. But the Rams now have a shot, not just at the NFC West, but the number one seed in the uh, NFC as well. So give me the Rams. They've been just looking, just, you know, getting the job done, even when they were facing adversity with not having players. I think the Rams get it done, even on the road in Minnesota. West Coast team traveling to the central time zone, not the eastern time zone. The Rams are starting to get off the schneid because they were, they hit the skids just a few weeks back. That Seattle game was huge for them. I'm going to take the Rams as well because despite, despite Minnesota being in the playoff hunt, Delvin Cook has been placed in health and safety protocols, but they got Alexander Madison back. Give me the Rams 31, Vikings 21. AFC East rivalry, probably for the division, Buffalo and New England. Man, I just want to know which Buffalo team is going to show up <laughs> because that would play a big role in all of this. You know, if the Bill, if the Bills from the beginning of the season show up, this is going to be a barn burn. If the Bills show up like they have the last few weeks, it's the Patriots all the way. I'm going to go with the Patriots here. You know, when in doubt, you don't doubt the Belichick. I've learned that from past years. So I'm going to go with the Patriots here. Yeah, I got to go with the Patriots as well. The Bills had their chances against Tampa, but just remember, the Bills lost to Urban Meyer. Let's not forget that. Even if they go on to win the Super Bowl, the Bills lost to Urban Meyer. I don't, don't make fun that. of them too much because the Falcons almost did too. <laughs> Fair enough. New England 31, Buffalo 17. I think the uh, Buffalo of the past few weeks shows up, especially at Foxborough. With good games come crap games. Jacksonville and the Jets. Okay, first things first. If you watch this game on your own volition, we need to have a conversation, okay? <laughs> because there's no reason why you should go watch this, go out your way to watch this game at all unless you just have a sick sense of humor. So uh, with that said, uh, I, I, I don't know. 
like watch this be the one game that cost me an undefeated week. Um, <laughs> I guess go with the Jets because they're at home. Like this is this is a dumpster fire. Like uh, I guess the Jets because the Jags will take enough to where they can still keep the number one pick. I, I I really don't know what to tell you about this game. <laughs> That's the thing about these close lines is that you you get those playoff bound games, but also you get this, these crap games like this, and it's like, oh god, here we go. Uh, give me the Jags because Urban Meyer is gone, and they'll have some some sort of want to play for pride. But I also get the first pick notion. Um. 17-14, low scoring game. It's yeah, if you're if you're willingly watching this game, might need to get your head checked. Really like, see, do. See, here's the thing. I kind of agree with your point here about, you know, they will play for pride, but that point went out the window for me last week when they lost to Houston. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Which Houston arguably is a worse team than the Jets, but they beat the Jets. So this this NFL season, man. <laughs> How's the flat circle? None of this makes sense. Kyrie Irving would approve. Uh, Denver and the Raiders, an AFC West battle, perhaps for a playoff spot. Oh man! Um, once again, another team where, you know, which one are we going to see for, as far as the Broncos is concerned? Uh, I'm going to go Raiders here. They're at home. I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is going to be playing or what if he is playing, what kind of condition he's in after that hit last week. So give me the Raiders in this one at home. I like the, Raider, the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium as well. Uh, Denver, I believe, is going to be starting Drew Locke, last I heard, which that's that's a little disastrous there in the Mile that's High City. Yeah, in the Mile High City. Maybe they want to get a mile high to watch this team. Uh, give me the Raiders 27, Broncos 20. And it might be a little bit more. It might be a little more widespread than that. And the last game here, I was debating back and forth between this one and Saints-Dolphins. I felt this one was going to be a better matchup despite the spread. Washington and Dallas. Washington pretty much in a lose-and-you're-out situation. Well, once again, this is another team that's been hit hard by COVID. You know, Taylor Heineke, I don't think, is going to be starting in this game. So, I think this one should be easily Dallas. Yeah, the spread was 10.5, which usually would make me veer off this game. But because there's no spread in um, Dolphins Saints, especially because Ian Book, perhaps, is going to be starting for the Saints, I went with this game. As much as I want to see Washington make the playoffs, I don't think they do. I think they lose this one, and perhaps I'm going to go ahead and concede Dallas is going to win the NFC East. I hate saying it because, of course, Cowboys, because who in their who in their right mind outside of the state of Texas likes the Cowboys? I probably just got banned from a few Cowboys sites, but I don't care. <laughs> I, I have always said it's the Cowboys' division to lose, and they will lose it. Now it's looking like they're going to actually go ahead and win this division, and this will be a huge key towards that. Dallas 31, Washington 17, and the football team uh, is unfortunately gets eliminated from postseason play 
with that loss. Unfortunate, but nonetheless, that's how the NFC East has gone this season. So those are your pickums for this segment. And as far as this goes, um, as usual, anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? Yeah, man. Uh, looking forward to next week's um, Michigan Georgia preview. And spoiler alert: I am actually going to be heading to the game. Uh, we'll be um, we'll be covering providing live coverage down there. So uh, we're we're looking forward to a fun time down in Miami and seeing what the Bulldogs can do against Michigan. So. Uh, it's a big deal. A lot of people down here are hyped up for it. And, you know, let's see what the dogs can do. We, yeah, um, we, might have to have, we might have to have at least one of us on this show uh, doing it live from Miami. We'll, we'll coordinate that uh, efficiently. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, you're going to have a lot of fun down there in Miami, and I'll be off until January 3rd. So if the flight is right, you never know as far as yours truly. But nonetheless... He is Jack Patterson, WRBL News 3, and this has been the Tom Green Podcast.